Um, today, though, we're going to start back up James. We are in James chapter 4. We took a little bit of a break. Right. Now we're getting back into it, um, and we're going to hopefully, in the next couple of weeks, uh, finish both 4 and 5 together. Me and Bethany, how is this? I mean, honestly, we don't get uh, as much attention when I'm just by myself. When, when Bethany's here, we get tons of attention. So, no, I'm just joking, but um, it's always good to have it's you girl babe. power. Yes, thank you so much. I'm so grateful for a wife who knows how to preach. Amen. Anyways, James chapter 4. Here we go, verse 1. James kicks it right off. He asks this question to a church that, well, is having a hard time getting along. He says, what is causing quarrels and fights among you? Essentially, James is saying, Christians, why aren't you getting along? What's the reason for your fighting? Why are you going back and forth? It's interesting how uh, James doesn't start off addressing the issue, though. Um, he doesn't get in immediately, I guess, if you would, to the reason for their bickering, for their fighting, for their arguing. He actually ends up getting there, but he doesn't start there. The first thing he kicks off with is he mentions this inner battle that's going on in the people. I thought that was interesting. Mm. Um, if you're familiar with the verse, let's read it in James chapter 4, verse 1, the whole thing. I only read the first half, but now let's read the entirety of that verse. It says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? With your passions at something is going on internally that ultimately in this moment, at this time, is manifesting externally in your relationship. Mm -hmm. So James um, makes a powerful point here. Uh, and, and, he, and he shares a, a kind of, or opens a kind of a window to, to get us thinking a little bit different or get this community thinking about, uh, uh, thinking a little bit different, I should say, about the nature or where their fights are actually being stirred or started right. at. Right. You know, it's interesting being a parent. Um, I'm, I'm so apt to always going to the obvious, more visible things when it comes to some of the behavior that um, Abram, our son, has that are, that's unpleasant to me. That doesn't sit right. So <laughs> let me explain. So, so if, if Abram's rude, I, you know, I call a spade a spade. You know, uh, he's rude. If he's uh, being impatient, of course, the problem is, is that he's being impatient, disobedient. I, I guess my point is, is I'm never looking beyond mm -hmm behind the curtain, so to speak, to what's going on internally in Abram to make uh, him disobedient or to, uh, have, to understand why he's lashing out and being rude or right. impatient. Now, my son's a good kid. I'm not trying to paint a picture like he's, yeah. he's unruly or whatever, but I, I love that James helps us to not just look at things that are so visible and right. so blatant in uh, context to our relational kind of um, messes or whatever, just the contention that sometimes exists, but he tells us to look a little bit deeper mm -hmm. beyond the more visible aspects of our arguments. Now, it's important to note, guys, that these passions, uh, they're not good, they're not godly, they're not holy passions that James is referencing here in right. verse 1. They're destructive. And in context to this chapter, they destroy relationships, relationships right. in the church. The word uh, passion here means to lust. It's the kind of lust that promotes to desire that which, I'm sorry, prompts, not promotes, but prompts us to desire that which we do 
not have. Now, in verse 2, James says just that. He says, you desire and do not have, so you murder. Now, nobody's killing each other here. <laughs> but James is trying to wake us up to startle us a bit. Right. Like, like, you know, when you're, you're, you're hateful towards your brother, when you're fighting in court, it's like... It's like acting out um, impulsively in such a way that's uncommon. Mm -hmm. That's the thing is, it, these, these, this relational contention here in the church, it, it should be uncommon mm -hmm. in the church. Hello, John 17, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Jesus praying for our unity. We should be on the front lines, right? right? Of people who are relationally so unified, so connected. And so yeah, this is a bit... Um, crazy, I think, in James' mind. It's like, what is this? This is so uncommon, so unnatural mm -hmm. to the way Christians should be behaving. And so he likens it to murder, of course. There's not murder going on, but it is startling nevertheless. Um, back to the passions uh, that James is identifying here. Unfortunately, the passions here that these men and women are struggling with in the church uh, um, have has have made them kind of self-seeking. You know, mm -hmm. uh, it's it's not bad. I think the Bible tells us to care and to care for our interests, but it also encourages us to care for the interests of others. Right. And this is something that's not happening in the book of James. So, next is James will tackle really the issue or the sin of covetousness mm. and and how covetousness leads to conflict i think i'm saying that word right it's yeah. one of those things that are really a tongue a, twister, a tongue twister. <laughs> but um you know coveting possessions that you want but cannot have that maybe somebody else does have mm -hmm. i don't know about you but that always leads to the destruction right. and the tearing down of our relationships. It does nothing to right. build them up and to strengthen them and to encourage godly relationships. So James says, you covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. There's the connection, mm. there's the connection. Um, this covetousness leading to fighting mm. and quarreling. Listen, if we uh, want to win the relational war, and I believe if, if if for nothing else today in the church, I'm not speaking to the world, they don't even have that big of a platform, but to our <laughs> church, there is a relational war at right, work right. in the church. And if we're gonna win this, we need to first tackle, we need to fight the inner war of our soul right. uh, where the battle actually starts. Mm -hmm. You know, we focus so much on the external aspects of our argument right. uh, because of their visibility. Mm -hmm. They're visible, right? I mean, right. if I'm lashing out at you, you're like, hey, why are you, why are you so angry, right? That's visible. But really what's going on, and so James directs us to focus more on the non or the less visible mm -hmm. aspects of our arguments and points us to do the same. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, it's, I, I find it interesting because ultimately, like the summary of that is that instead of looking at the fruit mm -hmm. that's being made manifest, he's basically trying to get us to look at the root Absolutely. of what's causing Absolutely. that yeah. um, in such wisdom. Mm -hmm. And then when we pick up um, in verse four, it says, adulterers and adulteresses, uh, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Mm -hmm. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. This is kind of strong language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, or do, do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, yeah. but gives grace to mm. the humble. We're actually just going to focus on verse four and verse five for now. 
Um, and if you just pause, let's just kind of take note. It is strong language. James comes Absolutely. out and charges well, yeah. them by yeah. saying adulterers and adulteresses. <laughs> um, so let's just take a step back. He He's speaking to believers. Absolutely. He's not speaking to the yeah. lost. He's not yeah. speaking to the world. Yeah. You know, he he's speaking this to believers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's not talking about physical adultery. He's yeah. not saying all of you are married and you're fornicating outside of marriage. That's not at all what he's saying. He's talking about the spiritual form yeah of adultery. Um, and for those of us that may not be familiar, what we find in the Old Testament is this is very consistent language. This is not um, abnormal language in the Old Testament as far as the Old Testament prophets really just speaking about like the harlotry sure, sure, and the unfaithfulness. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And you know, I think to really understand the next passage where he talks about friendship with the world being enmity with God, um, we really have to take a pause to look at the language of adulterers and adulteresses. Mm -hmm. And when we look at that, what we have to understand, and we've really lost this kind of in modern Christianity as far as this issue of um, being devoted or even consecrated to Christ, meaning that not only are we, and this, this language is really the imagery of marriage. Sure. Um, and oftentimes we don't think of ourselves as being married mm, to Christ absolutely. and we don't think of ourselves yeah. as, um, but this language, what it's ultimately speaking of is when you make a marriage covenant, you're saying, I'm committing myself to you. Most of us understand that concerning Christ. We're like, sure, I committed my life to right, Christ. Right, right. But in the committing yourself to one, you're actually saying you're forsaking all Come others. On. Good point. Great, so great. It, it's a twofold covenant. Yeah. It's saying, I commit myself to right. you, right. but in my, the committing myself, to you, I'm forsaking Amen. and I will actively guard my heart from others. Like no longer will others have Amen. that place of access. Amen. So this is what we as the church, I think we fail to understand is, you know, we, we do that. You want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And I've committed my life to Jesus. You know, we, we understand that form, but then we don't actually understand the active forsaking mm. of any other competing, conflicting so love so that we take away from our devotion to mm. Christ. Like that's language that is largely lost, <laughs> you know, in the, in the current charismatic um, church. And with that, because it's lost, what we find is we actually find a lot of mixture in mm. our lives of, mm. I'm gonna add a little Jesus and a little bit of this. And, and ultimately that in a spiritual sense is exactly what adultery is. Mm. I'm gonna have this husband that I'm committed mm. to, but then I'm still gonna leave room for other people or other affections or other desires or you know competing things mm. instead of guarding the covenant mm. that I have. Have. And this is in the language of speaking of our spiritual covenant that we've been committed. And so this is what we find um, this language ultimately to mean is being spiritually unfaithful. And I just want to pause, you know, there might be some of us that are a part of Hilltop that that kind of language is not common to us. Like we don't think in those terms. We actually, we've adopted such a, and I'll use the word, a watered down gospel of I can have Christ and all of these competing things, or because of Christ's grace and his mercy and his long suffering with me, I, these things can also be welcomed in at the table. But what we have to understand is that when we look at the gospel, 
it's consistent throughout the word of God is that he calls us to himself and not that we need to be perfect in that place of devotion and being set apart for him only, but we live in the pursuit of that. And the pursuit of that is ultimately what we understand holiness is, meaning being completely set apart to one. Mm -hmm. So we see this language that James is using of adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship Mm -hmm. with the world is enmity with God? Here, he's literally kind of um, laying out the extremes before us because oftentimes we want to kind of be able to dabble in all the things and all the places and all the, you know, we want to be partakers of all of it. Um, But he's using this language of friendship and he's basically saying that if we're going to be friends with the world, that basically means if we are going to love and value the ideals of this world, We put ourselves, this word hostile, uh, this word enmity actually means it, we put ourselves in hostility. And so I understand in spiritual terms, like for a lot of this, is, uh, this might be very abstract, but what we have to understand is as it's likened to a marriage relationship, if there are certain things that I want to adopt or to um, have as a part of my life that are in some ways offensive or hurtful to my covenant with my husband, that means those things, I'm actually creating hostility between mm. me and my husband because mm. I'm choosing something that is hurtful Amen. or offensive yeah. to him. Yeah. Yeah. And that's ultimately the language and the imagery that we see here is that when we become a friend or we, we value and we have affection for the ideals of this life, we may not understand it because we don't fully understand the principles of the kingdom, but this life, this um, kind of the, the, the kingdom of this world, it is, it's in hostility and it's in enmity towards the kingdom of God. And so therefore, when we make ourselves a part of that, we put ourselves in enmity Mm. towards Christ. And then it goes on to say, and whoever therefore wants to be a friend of this world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scriptures say in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? Now, I'll just make a note here. (laughs) If you study commentators, there's great debate over this passage of scripture, meaning the the translation of it, there is conflict and uh, disagreement over the word spirit, whether it's to be capitalized, referring to the spirit of God, or it's a lowercase s, um, referring to our spirit within us, that our spirit. Um, But nonetheless, if you, anybody that you read, if you want to take it to the, just put it in context of what we are now reading, where he's speaking about friendship with the world is enmity towards God, it would be consistent with the translation that I have, which is New King James. It does capitalize the the S in spirit, which would be translated or understood that it's the spirit who yearns jealously meaning for mm. us. Mm. And that's like, that, again, this is language sure. that we largely yeah. do not understand yeah. in the church as far as the jealousy of God. Sure. And I'm just going to read to you guys 1 Corinthians 10, 21 through 23. Um, we see this language again, as far as the jealousy of God. Um, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons, or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Mm. Are we stronger than he? Mm. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. Mm. 
all things are lawful for me, but not all things are edifying. So we see this language of understanding basically the jealousy of God, that he's jealous. And let's think about in the terms of, we understand jealousy in very human terms, but in the terms of God yearning jealously, it's that he yearns for us to be wholehearted toward him. And that's what his spirit does to produce in us, that we would become a wholehearted people that are fully his, consecrated to him, dedicated to him, set apart for him, that our life would actually not be in enmity towards the cross of Jesus Christ because of our friendship and our love for this world. Um, but that we would be people that are in one accord. And that's even what this language of friendship speaks about here, of being in union with one. And that's ultimately what we see from this passage is that that longing that we would come into greater union with him and that anything that would hinder that union with him, that we would actively protect ourselves, guard ourselves, and preserve ourselves for him alone. So very good. Um, you know, James's whole goal, I think, in all the five chapters um, is to suss out uh, the hypocrisy, um, uh, the kind of duality in Christians to, at one hand, serve and profess faith in Christ, and on the next hand, do things that are just blasphemous right. to that, um, that proclamation of faith. And so the language is heavy, but so needed, and I think um, so even more so needed in our culture, in our day, in our time. I love this. Um, you know, you, you kind of wrestle a little bit of like, where's the upshot of all this? Like, where, but we're going to get there. Um, but I think uh, some of the things that we just talked about need to be said. So hopefully you tune in next Sunday because it does get better. God just doesn't leave us to ourselves to just figure it out and get it right. He comes alongside of us. He aids us. And by his grace, he empowers us to not just, you know, um, be victims, you know, mm-hmm. to our flesh and 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 constantly live in the tension of duality, like in one in one moment serving Christ, and the next moment serving our flesh, or in one moment loving the Lord, or loving this world. He doesn't just leave us there. He helps us. He empowers us. And we're going to get there next Sunday. We're going to leave this here for now. Okay. Why don't we pray uh, for the church? Will you lead us in prayer? And then I'll close this out. And we'll um, mm-hmm. we'll go from there. God, as we meditate on these passages of scripture, God, we recognize, Lord, to some degree, it really is an invitation for us to um, take assessment of our lives and even any place, Lord, that our lives are in enmity towards Mm. the cross, that this world is what we love, this world is even what we reflect. God, we, we just ask, Lord, even as we take these moments, God, any place, Lord, that our lives, Lord, are in accordance with the thoughts and the systems and the values of this world, God, any place, Lord, that our lives even um, reflect more of this world than they do the beauty of the gospel. God, we, we thank you, Father, that it's a moment of invitation, Lord, that we can rightly assess and evaluate our lives, but we can also uh, consecrate ourselves to you afresh mm. and anew. We can mm. acknowledge the places, Lord, that maybe we do have friendship with the world. Mm. We can acknowledge the places, Lord, that um, for us, Lord, that we are adulterers and adulteresses. Mm. But God, we just thank you, Lord, that in your grace and in your mercy, Lord, that we can confess those things and Lord, that we can um, 
repent, but also consecrate ourselves to you mm. afresh and anew. God, I pray that we as a community, Lord, that we would on a continual basis, Lord, to have moments of repentance That's and right. moments of humility and even That's sorrow right. over places that we may have uh, just been distracted or even um, been divided from the covenant and the commitment that we've made to you. But God, we thank you, Lord, that we can have seasons to consecrate ourselves afresh and anew mm. and to realign ourselves in relationship mm. with you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for the truth. And Lord, truth doesn't always come the way that we want it. It doesn't always sound the way that we want it to. Uh, but nevertheless, Lord, um, there are um, powerful truths in this scripture and even in this word today that we don't want to turn our eyes from, we don't want to close our ears to. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that you would make us bold and courageous in this hour, that we would um, seek you and draw near to you. And, Lord, you would reveal to us um, the places in which you want to transform, you want to make new, Lord, that you would um, reveal to us um, any hypocrisy that may exist in our hearts, any places, Lord, where we um, have and are still in love with this world. God, I pray that by your grace and your mercy, you would reveal these things to us and that we would make the right steps uh, and take the right actions and moving forward in repentance um, and being delivered. Uh, in Jesus' yes. name, we pray. Amen. 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 Church, we love you. Um, we hope this word blesses you. We're going to complete it, bring it to a close um, next Sunday. Uh, it's going to be good. So we hope you tune in. Until then, be praying for us. Keep us in your prayers. We're praying for you. But more specifically, be praying for um, uh, the reopening of Hilltop Church in-person gatherings. Hopefully next Sunday and the Sundays uh, to come, we'll have more information to share with you. We love you. Be blessed. Until next Sunday.